Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today we're focusing on the 1996 Cameron Crowe film, Jerry Maguire. Now, uh, on the podcast, occasionally Lloyd and I will fill in our filmography blanks. For certain reasons, who knows why, we're about to find out, uh, one of us had never seen Jerry Maguire, and in this case it's Lloyd. So, spoilers for Jerry Maguire, we've seen the film now. I know that's a 20-year-old disclaimer, but... um, Lloyd, 21 years, why have you never seen Jerry Maguire? I know, I know, it's just one of those things where... I hear so much about movie references, show me the money, you complete me, but I just never got around to seeing it. And to be honest, it just didn't interest me at all. And I'm actually a big fan of Tom Cruise. Um, So seeing it for the first time only a few weeks ago, I have to say I was absolutely blown away with this movie. I really enjoyed it. The first thing that really hit me was how funny this movie was. Uh, I I thought it was hilarious. I thought there were many funny moments. Uh, To me, this movie was about loyalty. And the key scene for me was when Cuba Gooding Jr. playing uh, uh, Rod Tidwell says to Jerry... Anybody else would have left you by now, but I'm sticking with you. I said I, I, I said I would, and if I got to ride your ass like Zorro, you're going to show me the money. We're together on this. We're going to be one. And then he starts shaking Tom Cruise's hand, <laughs> and he's like, oh, my gosh. And that relationship they had with each other was so strong. They each go through a lot physically and mentally, but they still remain loyal to each other. And that scene where Rod comes out to the media after the major football match and he's calling for Jerry Maguire, oh, that really got to me. I I just cried at that moment. It was so beautiful, the pain that each of them went through and finally they, they make it uh, with each other. And at that moment, he it triggers Jerry, of course, to rush to Dorothy and um, he has to tell her, the importance of having each other and not go it alone and all the rest of it. And where you get the iconic line, you had me at hello, of you course. You had me at hello. That was really ruined for me. It didn't have the same impact because it, it, I've seen it referenced so many times. Of course. Well, well, what's the, the biggest th- reference you could think of, uh, Jerry Maguire? You had me at hello. Was that there's, uh, Night of the Roxbury? <laughs> <laughs> there's four big iconic lines, I think, in Jerry Maguire. And, I mean, this is a film... I, I told my wife you hadn't seen it, and Tess said, "What? Like, very surprised." Uh, first of all, and, <laughs> and, because, I'm, and I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. I got nothing against him. I really enjoy his movies, and that shows across this podcast because we've done so many Tom Cruise movies over the years. And um, she was very surprised. It's a film we quote to each other all the time. So, "Show me the money" is one of the iconic lines. "You had me at hello." I think "Help me help you" is one of his oh, great yeah. ones. And you complete me. So those four, for me, are the the best ones. But, I mean, there's heaps of really sort of smaller lines that are great. When that hug happens at the end and all the emotion and the guy says, why don't we have that kind of relationship? <laughs> you know, there were just some... It's really well written and it's classic, awesome Cameron Crowe. Like, I love Almost Famous 
Um, also, that's one of my favourite Cameron Crowe movies. Do you, are you familiar with his filmography? No, or? I really want to see We Bought a Zoo, Almost Famous. That's another one we probably should do on this podcast, uh, the theme of I can't believe you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Vanilla Sky is another Tom Cruise one, but um, to be honest, We Bought a Zoo and Elizabethtown are not as great as they sort of promised to be. Say Anything was a good start. Jerry Maguire is really his peak. Yeah, I suppose Almost Famous is another really classic that I, I quote all the time and I really enjoy. Did you know about the Academy Awards and Jerry Maguire? Uh, yeah, where uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. won it for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, there were five Academy Awards it was up for, but um, this is one of those times Tom Cruise was up for Best Actor, you know, which he lost out to Jeffrey Rush for Shine. The original screenplay could have been another good one for Jerry Maguire, but they lost out to Fargo. And ultimately... The best picture was uh, The English Patient. So Cuba Gooding Jr. wins the only Oscar that Jerry Maguire gets. I think uh, the Oscar to Cuba Gooding Jr. was so well deserved. I think the Academy got it absolutely right. Um, uh, I I think Cuba Gooding Jr. is actually a really good actor. Um, I like his, although it was really brief, his role in uh, um, American Gangster by Ridley Scott. I I thought it was, I thought he was excellent. Uh, He's sort of faded into the background i guess as you say i always say in the podcast the curse of the academy it just seems like once you win it an academy award you sort of go into obscurity and i feel that's that went the same way with cuba gooding jr unfortunately but that show me the money scene was sublime and also um the scenes where you first see him talk to the media and jerry Maguire's doing the rounds with him there are these like subtle little moments of nervousness and self-doubt that i think Mm. are really awesome like the way how he just puffs his chest out shakes hands with people he's growing more confident as jerry Maguire is bringing him uh, around the media but there also is this little sense of insecurity there as well uh well the film was a huge success it made 50 million our budget was 50 million it made 300 million worldwide and as I told you, I'd seen the film a bunch, like I'd seen it on TV. My wife always uh, wants to watch it when it's on. So I actually watched it for the podcast with the audio commentary on, uh, which I had never done. So I've done that. I did that as well. I got the DVD um, set, which we'll talk about later. Absolutely fantastic DVD package. And I watched all the special features on it and, of course, the audio commentary. I didn't actually watch the audio commentary. There's one where you can um, uh, watch them physically sitting down and they're watching uh, Jerry Maguire, obviously, and you can see them reacting to all the scenes and everything like that. It's it's really sublime. Um, one of the things I like to do with audio commentaries, I like to rip it to an audio file, put it on, on my iPod, and then while I'm driving to work or while I'm working out, I can, um, I can listen to uh, the audio commentary. Um, I thought the audio commentary was really interesting. Like, everybody loved being there. They were happy to do it. They clearly loved the movie. And audio commentators were quite big 20 years ago. Tom Cruise said it was his first audio commentary, and he said, Cameron Crowe, you are a great filmmaker. We got to be in one of the greatest films of all time. And, but I found Renee Zellweger didn't really add much. She just really loved everything in retrospect. I, I disagree. I think when she said... Uh, she told the stories of how some people told her that they had proposed to their um, yeah. girlfriends during the movie, that in 996 
this movie was a huge date movie and some people used it to propose um, you know, to their wives and so forth. Uh, it was also mentioned that some people ended their relationships with their partners due to this movie because the you complete me moment made them think that their partners didn't give them that feeling. And that scene where she says she doesn't want to spend 10 years being polite and that hit a chord with some audiences who felt the same way. She also said that on the set of Bridget Jones's diary, a guy told her that he saw Jerry Maguire with his girlfriend and was crying at the end when Tom Cruise said, you complete me, and he thought, that was it, that's everything, this means everything. And the girlfriend was like... Is it really? Is it? And then after that, the relationship just fizzled. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting as well that so rare that the revelation for a character sort of comes during the opening titles, you know, that sort of they explained that this movie begins where an 80, 80s movie would end. You know, Cameron Crowe explained in the audio commentary. His credo where he's fewer clients, more attention, you know, he does, he gets what he asked for. And then it's everything afterwards. Such an interesting sort of start to the film really grabs you, I think. The opening scene uh, where the woman's having sex with him and uh, it cuts sort of from the dog's face to her admission of having been with women before, they always cut that sex scene down for TV, Lloyd. Okay. (laughs) They always just trim it to just be like the very end and (laughs) then they're sitting there nude and stuff. I've always noticed that, like, the the way they edit it for TV, yeah. For me, this film is in the details. So the details of, like, Rod's house where there's ants on the wall and there's water damage and TP, his brother's there. For me, like, even just the way they sort of have stuff in the foreground or the pictures or, you know, I just... I really think it, it's a very complete world, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, and uh, just the, you can really feel the chemistry. Not You don't have to watch the or listen to the audio commentary to get that. It's like all throughout the movie that this cast all got al- along really well with each other. You can tell there were certain scenes that ha- must have had a lot of improvisation. It, like uh, Cameron Crowe gave them a lot of room to breathe and the respect all the actors had for each other, I think, is just all throughout this movie. And I, I personally thought uh, one of the big standouts is Regina King as Marcy. Mm. I thought yeah. she was a, a sublime. Her performance when Rod is unconscious uh, at the game was so breathtaking. I bet, although I didn't see it in the cinemas, uh, but I bet everyone in the movie theatres were holding their breath at that moment. And Regina is uh, is such a strong c- character who understands the small shelf life of her husband's occupation as an athlete. And the physical dangers that he goes through every night and her family's uh, financial future is so important. It, it's such a well-written character and brilliantly realised uh, by Regina King. And uh, as well, when he's lying there and he opens his eyes and he says, I just want to enjoy this for a moment, like, it's such a, like, exhale of relief from the audience, you've got to imagine. Uh, for me, I think Jerry O'Connell plays a nice role in this. You know, he's playing guitar... Uh, just kind of hanging out, you know, cush. And then there's that great scene where Tom Cruise is on the phone and he sniffs, you know, uh, to show that he's cush. He's like, hey, yeah, he's just pretending. Uh, and they don't have a contract. They don't have an agreement. And Jerry Maguire is going to get screwed out of his major sort of uh, client, I guess. I, it was just such, I love yeah. it how the camera pushes in as well when he realises, when he picks up the phone and it's not um, an, an, a media up uh, agent. 
um, on the phone and the camera pushes in and he, he has to keep that smile on his face and pretend like, you know, it's it's not the um, actual sports agent calling him up, okay, tell Jerry Maguire everything's going to be fine. Oh, that was so tense. And you could feel Jerry's heart just sinking at that mm. moment. Oh, my gosh, what a scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so much of it was so well written. I was so impressed with this film as well. I'm I'm pleased you enjoyed it. It's amazing that you missed it for 21 years. <laughs> I didn't know who Dickie Fox was, the guy sitting behind the desk constantly giving these small bits of meaningful advice. It wasn't until I read the the things we think and do not say, the future of our business, which is the um, memo that's characterised um, in the film that uh, Jeremy Maguire writes, which obviously gets him fired. Um, it's on Cameron Crowe's website and it's also on the special features of the DVD. Uh, Dickie Fox is actually the first sports agent, so I'm assuming before Greed really stepped into the business and turned it into something Jerry Maguire felt was very soulless. And I guess Dickie Fox represented a time of integrity and Crow originally wanted Billy Wilder to play that role. Um, yeah, which I thought was pretty interesting. And the, they talk on the audio commentary about Wilder watching the movie, you know, would have been really interesting for them as well. Yeah, he, he uh, Cameron Crowe uh, speaks with great respect about Billy Wilder as well. Hey, uh, what did you think of the kid, Jonathan Lipnicki? Oh, he's a little cute kid, you know, you just want to punch him in the face. <laughs> no, he's, he's great. He did he did a great job. And those are the moments where you can tell that um, Tom Cruise really improvised his scenes and it just added that little bit of magic, that just something that isn't written and an actor and a, a young kid just you know, going back and forth a little bit. You know, small moments of magic there. I'd like you to Google something, Lloyd. Um, Jonathan Lipnicki and then MMA. Because it's funny that uh, you mentioned punching him in the face because now that's what he's doing. I, I can't spell his last name, but I'm just going <laughs> to go kid from Jerry Maguire. <laughs> yeah, no worries. You know, I mean, the human head weighs eight pounds. Classic bit of dialogue that he learned that day and whatever. You know, we, we sort of quote that little bit where he's on the phone as well, where he goes, gotta go, my mom's coming, as a funny way to get off the phone, my wife and I. It was just such a really quotable movie. There was one bit okay, I'll just I'm, add. I'm at his Wikipedia. So he's still he's not acting anymore, I guess? Well, no, I guess he's an MMA fighter now. Lipnicki currently trains in mixed martial arts styles, but when asked whether he planned to ever fight professionally, he, he replied, I've been pretty busy filming and I would need to put off a certain amount of time to really train for a fight. Okay, so he's not actually fighting pro, but he is training as a mixed martial, martial artist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he looks quite different, and I'm sure we can find a picture of it. <laughs> Got to grow up sometime. I loved the list of people who were almost in this film. Tom Hanks, Winona Ryder, Jennifer Lopez even. Um, it sounds like casting was really like up in the air, but I think they nailed it in the end, and it's more of a classic for it. Obviously, the chemistry is there with Zellweger and Cruz. I actually uh, think the relationship between Jerry and Dorothy was one of the weaker parts of this movie. I know people are probably going to be screaming now, but I think it was just a little bit laboured and I didn't think it needed this that much attention. Like I felt there were too many scenes between them that lengthened the movie out and I think that's the movie's only flaw is just the length of it. 
Um, I probably would have cut all the scenes with the jazz nanny, for instance. Like, I found a lot of his jokes to have really dated. I felt they were very 90s. And maybe I would have cut a bit of will-they-won't-they beats and just moved straight to the wedding a lot sooner. Like, the whole moment where she's about to move away and Jerry can't afford her, I thought wasn't as effective to me as, say, the relationship between him and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. I did find it interesting that he broke up with Avery to start with because he's sort of everything's for falling apart around him. Yeah. And he leaves her and he's like, uh, you know, because she's kind of a bitch, I guess, but he's like, welcome to my nightmare. The water's warm, you know, and she doesn't really want to break up. She just says he's a loser and stuff afterwards. He breaks up with her, <laughs> like, which I felt like was the wrong move for his character because she's sort of his life raft and his fiance at this time. But And then he just sort of spirals into a relationship with Dorothy it's funny that um, I've written here, major complaint, it's a long film in retrospect at more than two hours. Yeah, that, that, uh, that's my only complaint, the length. And I mean, I thought maybe that would just be me because having seen the film a few times, you're waiting for those kind of key moments. Uh, like you can watch this film for the beginning, for the middle and for the end, but all the stuff, you know, that sort of <laughs> separates those, there's enough classic scenes that it keeps it moving, but... As you say, there is fat to trim, I suppose. Yeah, the U-Haul van scene uh, where he proposes to her. He's got to propose to her somewhere. Did you like the shot of the wedding where they're just focusing on the ring bearer, the <laughs> Jonathan Lipnicki? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that classic line of, you fuck this up and I'll kill you from Bonnie Hunt, and then I'm glad we had this talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that so, uh, like, especially... I, I think I heard Cameron Crowe was one of them, but the group of ladies that all meet up talking about their ex-husbands and it's just a, this man-hating group. And I love it how that's foreshadowed for the climactic moment where Jerry Maguire actually has to walk through that and in front of them pour his heart out to these um, uh, man-hating ladies, you know, and then for for him to turn the whole room around, you know, that was, that was, really, that was a really good build-up. Yeah, he's got to win them over. I think it was Tom Cruise's mother or was it Cameron Crowe's mother? I, I in think that it was group? Cameron Crowe's mother. Okay. There's a lot of great scenes with Tom Cruise in this other than the obvious, you know, um, help me help you moments and show me the money. But one scene that um, I really, really like was when he was in on the first date with Dorothy and he's left there because Dorothy goes off to, to call up um, home, see how the kid's doing, and he's left there and all the mariachis come around Tom Cruise <laughs> and start yep. performing. There is that sense of embarrassment there and he's just left alone looking down and, you know, it, it, Tom Cruise does that so well. You know, there's a lot of details to his uh, performance. I just thought of two more icons lines while you were saying that who's coming with me where he leaves, loses his job and he's going to start <laughs> I love his own that film. Scene. Yeah, yeah. besides flipper here you know and she <laughs> decides to go with him another fantastic scene come on wendy let's go oh, actually i'm only a couple of weeks away from my i think is her pension or something he's just like oh man <laughs> the, the promotion the pay rise, yeah, the yeah. Pay rise. <laughs> and he's like what should they do without us and then the whole room pauses for a moment and then just goes back to work <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 good luck without me or something like that the moment he leaves life just goes on <laughs> yeah um also the one where uh cuba's character air dries that was a new concept to me in 1996 when i saw the film that after a shower you just dry by air drying <laughs> 
you know, you just walk around. Should he have ended up with Dorothy? I know we get that additional scene where, uh, you know, you had me at hello and obviously it's a nicer ending to have them get together. But if it had ended, you know, on the goodness of kind of Rod, in Rod we trust as they put up immediately, you know, the bro hug between Jerry and Rod and then his payday and kind of... They, they could have them walk off into the sunset at that point, you know? It's like he's an agent again. Absolutely. I think a very masterful director would have done exactly that because the movie's over, they've won, they've made it, you know, sort of thing. And that's where you can freeze frame on two smiles and then roll credits sort of thing. Uh, I personally love a little bit... Like, my biggest complaint of Spotlight was that they didn't show the aftermath enough like I think Spotlight is one of the most perfect films I've ever seen but I just would have liked to have seen a little bit of celebration at the end like what they've done throughout this whole movie the journey's end you're seeing just a little bit of a glorification for that and that's why I was really happy with Jerry Maguire we get like a lot more to the ending we have that whole overlong interview where he's on a big talk show and they're talking about all the money he's being offered and he's he's happy you're you're infused with that joyous moment of he's finally made it everyone's happy and i went with it because this is such a feel-good kind of movie you know <laughs> but then you can argue that jerry Maguire has no one to share that moment with yeah you know and they kind of set him up to well, he's either got to be alone or with her. And if you go with your ending where we cut the um, had me a hello, you know, moment, you can cut all the scenes with the woman-hating, or man-hating woman group. You can lose all of those because it no longer matters for your ending. You've got to have him be okay with being alone at the end. So you've got to have him maybe realise through the film that he just bounced from one woman to another. And that videotape of all his exes where it's like, oh, he can't commit. He can't do this. You know, he could have still married Dorothy and then said, I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, this isn't who I am or whatever. Like, realized through the course of the movie. But then you do lose that had me at hello. Yeah, one of the greatest lines in in movies. I agree, Dave. I actually think that would probably be a greater ending i i think that would be probably better um ha- just cutting it at, at that point where rod tidwell comes out and then they embrace each other in front of the media i think i think that would be a much a much better ending uh, i guess we could re-edit the film and find out yeah do a, do a fan <laughs> edit and people go and it circulates so bad it goes viral almost and some people watch it go what, what um happened? you had me at hello <laughs> yeah where, where is that where? scene <laughs> when i first watched um Dirty Dancing, and that was another one of these films I'd never seen for years and years until someone sat me down and said, you have to watch it. And I sat next to this uh, this woman and watched it, and um, it was her favourite movie, this girl. And uh, basically it got to the part where everything was going wrong, the all-is-lost moment of Dirty Dancing. And then I thought, hang on a minute. <laughs> Nobody puts baby in a corner. I've had the time of my life. <laughs> All that's still to come. Oh, this is going to turn around, you know? And... If I watched Jerry Maguire, much like yourself, having never watched it in 21 years, I would be like, oh, wait, you had me at hello. That's coming up. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you watch this fan edit and it doesn't have that moment, then it's not going to (laughs) work. What do you think of the music and in particular the Bruce Springsteen song Secret Garden? Uh, when did that play? What scene did that play? Oh, it's, it plays throughout. I, I think they actually overused it. I, I, I think it's a very beautiful song. Um, and I actually saw Bruce Springsteen live in Melbourne a few weeks ago, and he's incredible 
live. Definitely one of my favorite rock artists of all time. Um, but this song is probably the main featured song throughout this whole movie. And there's actually on the special features a video clip of it, the, the, of uh, Secret Garden. You, you don't remember the song? To be honest, when I think of Jerry Maguire, I think of Free Falling. Oh, you know, yeah, he's when he's singing, singing in the car. In the car. <laughs> yeah, so that, that to me is the song I associate with Jerry Maguire. Oh, well, it plays when they first, um, at the, after their first date, and he's slowly taking off um, the shoulder straps of a dress and then kissing oh, her sure, neck. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember that. I'm pretty sure it plays there. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron Crowe knows music, as identified in all of his movies. So if he's overused the song, it's intentional. <laughs> it's clearly something he thinks relates to the character of Jerry Maguire. I didn't notice it was overused. Um, to be honest. Yeah, maybe it's just me, but because I'm such a Bruce Springsteen fan, every time the song came on, oh, that's Secret Garden. And um, it's probably extremely well known for Jerry Maguire. Like people hear that song, they think of Jerry Maguire because I didn't see Jerry Maguire during the height of it. To me, the song is infused with um, Show Me a Hero, a David Simon series. Uh, that came out just recently. I'm like, oh, wow, what a beautiful song. I downloaded it. I, I played it like heaps. And my brother goes, isn't that Jeremy Guire? And I go, oh, is <laughs> it? I've never seen the movie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I also think about you and I went to um, college together and our media class was taught by Graham Levy. He used the, the poster shot of Jeremy Guire as an example of an iconic image of like an iconic movie poster. And I remember he talked about how many photos they would have taken to get to this photo, how many times that image would have circulated around the world and talked about why they chose that shot. And I've always sort of thought about that iconic poster like because we studied it in college, <laughs> you and I. <laughs> oh, so the memories. <laughs> it's interesting to me that, uh, yeah, you never saw the film. But as they say, the the tagline, the journey is everything, Lloyd. So you got there eventually. <laughs> Uh, another really interesting thing about the special features on the DVD is that it shows you some rehearsal footage that Cameron Crowe shot on a DV camera and it actually shows you the show me the money scene and it shows you how that was constructed in rehearsals, uh, how QB Gooding Jr., he actually was mouthing the song, like doing the beats and then saying, show me the money and then Tom Cruise is just reacting, show me, show you the money, show me the money. It's really fascinating stuff. And another one where they have a sports agent, an actual sports agent, go on about what he does on an average day and the phones and uh, contracts he carries all the phone numbers he has to memorize and the laws he has to memorize. It seems like a 24-7 job. It's really fascinating just seeing an actual sports agent and the authenticity that they uh, went through to um, get these characters down. Well, as they say in the audio commentary, all the agents now say, I'm like Jerry Maguire. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I must have missed that. <laughs> it's complimentary that they all think they're like that character and they all related to it and felt like, it was their story. That was the quote. I wonder um, how many of them have actually read the memo that's uh, in the film. Like what one segment that I've got here I thought I really liked. Um, it says here on the memo, we are agents to some that brings with it the image of a slickster, a huckster, someone profiting off the efforts of others. For many of those we've met or observed, 
that is what we are. I know an agent operating in this very state who regularly gets the phone numbers of college athletes by calling school offices and posing as a tutor and who has lost their student's contact number. He is often successful in acquiring athletes, but none for very long. Privately, an agent can be a father, a friend, an inspiring force in their life of a young man or woman. We are sometimes as important as priests or poets, but until we dedicate ourselves to worthier goals than getting a, an illegal phone number, we are poets of emptiness. I wonder how many of them have that in their personal Bible to be a sports agent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they want the show me the money part and uh, <laughs> yeah and the quan they all probably the want the quan is that one of the key lines that have existed beyond the uh, the movie's legacy or no not really to be honest no i think yeah. it's probably mostly associated with the movie but uh, it's described as love respect community and the dollars the entire package which is kind of what jerry maguire wound up being it got loved it was respected as a filmmaker as actors community loved it and it got the dollars so did you see jerry Maguire at the movies you know i can't remember seeing it at the movies to be honest i feel like i i, I just got it as a rental uh the first time so when it first came out as available as a rental that's when you saw it or i believe so yeah, yeah. i mean we were talking 21 years ago yeah so <laughs> i can't exactly remember but i've watched it many times since and i've enjoyed it so tom cruise of course went on to do vanilla sky with cameron crowe so you haven't seen that either, I'm guessing. I have seen Vanilla Sky, yeah. It's a remake of a European film. Correct. Um, <laughs> so we don't have to do that on the podcast anymore. Well, next time, we'll be covering a film I haven't seen. And uh, it's Weekend at Bernie's. I've never seen it. So for the very first time, if you've never seen it as well, watch it between this episode and next episode, and we'll experience it together next week. For all your other Pod Me If You Can needs, we've got a website. It's www.podmeifyoucan.com. I just wanted to take a second to uh, quickly thank and acknowledge the people who've tweeted and said hello and uh, mentioned that they've enjoyed the interviews recently, the most recent of which is Tiffany DeBartolo. I encourage you to check it out. It was a really fun interview to do. Uh, she did a film called Dream for an Insomniac, which uh, had Jennifer Aniston in it. And it leads us nicely to Friends Month which is coming up on Pod Me If You Can, which um, involves our YouTube channel, Lloyd, of course, which has obscure films on it. Uh, we like to find these obscure films with uh, somebody famous in them. And uh, we're going to dedicate a whole month to the obscure films of the cast of Friends. So Matthew Perry, Matt LeBlanc, etc. Uh, all main, six main friends. We're going to find an obscure film from each one of them and um, review them on our YouTube channel. You can, of course, find a link at podmeifyoucan.com. Uh, until next week, when we're up to Weekend at Bernie's, uh, thank you for listening. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie Reviews. Thank you.